Hi folks, it's Rob from the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop. For a few years, I wrote, produced, and hosted a podcast called When You Hear This Sound, a show about the weird and wonderful world of read-along record books and storybook vinyl. As my life got more and more hectic, the episodes became fewer and farther between, until finally I stopped production in April of 2016. I've decided to include these old episodes as part of the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop, not only because I'm pretty proud of them, but because I would like to occasionally put out new When You Hear This Sound episodes under the Audio Workshop banner. I still have well over 100 read-along record books in my collection, and there are a few whose story behind the story would be well worth telling. As you listen to these old episodes, please note that the show notes will not be as extensive as they originally were. The websites where the podcast was hosted are long gone, as are the original show notes. So if you want to know more about something I mentioned in the episode, check the Audio Workshop's website, spacemonkeyx.net, but you may need to do a little Googling on your own. However, if there is a book included with the record, you will be able to find scans of it at the website. So please enjoy this archived episode of When You Hear This Sound, and be sure to look for new ventures into vinyl here at the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop in the future. Hello, boys and girls. I'm your Peter Pan storyteller. This is the story of the last starfighter. This is the story of gremlins. This is the story of Tron. This is the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the story of the Empire Strikes Back. You can read along with me in your book. You can follow the story along with me. Every time you hear this sound. Every time you hear this sound. Turn the pages when you hear this sound. You will know it is time to turn the page. When you hear the computer sound like this. Let's begin, let's begin now. Hello everyone and welcome to When You Hear This Sound. In this episode we'll drop the needle on the 1984 read-along record book of the classic kids horror movie, Gremlins. I chose this album for the second show not only because it's a great movie, but because this release epitomizes a Buena Vista read-along record book from the 1980s. There are a lot of key features present on the Gremlins record that help differentiate Buena Vista from other record book production companies. So I hope that by highlighting these elements now, when we get to some of the less impressive releases from other companies, the contrast will be clear. Buena Vista Records was founded by Walt Disney Studios in the 1950s as a sort of premium record label. For about 20 years, they mainly released albums from young Disney contract stars like Haley Mills and Annette Funicello, as well as official musical soundtracks from Disney movies like Mary Poppins and The Jungle Book. These albums featured the voices of the cast members from the movies, while a different Disney label, Disneyland Records, released cheaper soundtracks with music performed by cover artists. Aside from cover albums, Disneyland Records also released early storybook albums that used a combination of a narrator to retell the plot of the movie and musical interludes that were lifted directly from the film soundtrack. There were no voice actors other than the narrator, and the book that came with the record wasn't a word-for-word translation of the audio, so they were kind of an odd combination of genres and styles. While there were other read-along record books before Buena Vista got into the game, the company really helped set the bar leading into the 1980s with the 1979 release of Star Wars. Chances are, if you were under the age of 20 at the time, you owned a copy of this record book. It is truly a classic. Thanks to the warm reception of the Star Wars read-along, Buena Vista was hired to produce the record book adaptation of just about every classic kids' film from the 1980s. Their record book releases include the first two Indiana Jones movies, all three Star Wars movies, and a handful of Star Wars spin-offs, The Last Starfighter, The Dark Crystal, and the first three Star Trek films. 
And the reason they were the go-to production house for these big-name films is because they were almost always shining examples of record books done right. Buena Vista's productions featured the original music and sound effects from the film, and the voice actors are generally pretty good for a low-budget kid's record. Most of the time, they at least attempted to find someone who sounded vaguely like the actors in the movie. At most other record book companies, they would have simply pulled Bob from accounting into the recording booth and told him he's reading the part of Han Solo today. On one occasion, Buena Vista even got Jeff Cohen to be the narrator of The Goonies, as read by his character, Chunk. Hoping to piggyback on the success of Buena Vista, the Disneyland label began producing read-along record books, too. They focused mainly on classic Disney properties like The Rescuers, Sleeping Beauty, and Lady and the Tramp, but did handle adaptations of more contemporary Disney productions like Tron and The Black Hole. They lived up to the Buena Vista standard, and will be covering some of these read-along record books in later episodes. Buena Vista continued to produce read-along record books until 1986, with their final release being an adaptation of Jim Henson's Labyrinth. The record book set is very hard to find today, and goes for a pretty penny on eBay on the rare occasion you even see one up for auction. Although the label was folded into the larger Disney Music Group in 1998, the old Buena Vista name has occasionally been pulled out of retirement to release albums by Disney tween star Hilary Duff, and most recently for the soundtracks to the Marvel superhero films Thor and Captain America The First Avenger. As I said before, Gremlins is pretty much a perfect example of the quality of a Buena Vista read-along record book. The 106-minute film is trimmed down to a coherent 13-minute story, even if it is forced to sacrifice some of the most iconic moments from the film. The sound effects and music are taken directly from the movie, and they did a decent job matching the voice actor to star Zach Galligan. Here's a quick sound clip of Galligan as Billy, the teenager whose father brings home a strange new pet for him called a Mogwai. Dad, it's, it's really neat. Where did you get this? Oh, some little junk store in Chinatown. Can I pick him up, Dad? Sure, go ahead. Just be careful. You gotta be gentle. I will. I hope he's housebroken. Hmm. Oh, isn't he cute? Has it got a name, Dad? Yeah, Mogwai. What? Mogwai. I don't know, some Chinese word. I just call him Gizmo. He seems to like it. And now here's a clip from an unknown voice actor who played Billy on the Gremlins record book. Poor Gizmo. No wonder you're not supposed to get wet. That must be how you multiply. Billy scratched his head. These new guys all look alike. Except this one with the striped white hair. I guess we ought to call you Stripe. Not too shabby, huh? Actually, there is one way that Gremlins is different from most other Buena Vista productions. It received two separate releases. The single record release you're about to hear is a condensed version of the same production that spanned five records and books that were available exclusively through the Hardee's fast food franchise. The record books were available for 99 cents with the purchase of any sandwich, fries, and a soft drink. The individual books for the five-disc set were a little shorter, at only 16 pages each, as opposed to the 24-page book in the single-disc release. The interior artwork of the Hardee's books was different as well, featuring illustrations that appear to be based on photographs or film stills, rather than the full-color photos of the standalone record book. Chances are this was done to save on printing costs. Head over to bubblepipe.net for the show notes, and you can check out scans from both versions of the Gremlins record books. And with that, I'd say it's about time we listen to the album. By the way, a quick word about the recording. For some odd reason, this recording has an echo. Sometimes the sound will come slightly before the main audio, sometimes it's after, and sometimes it's garbled somewhere in between. I'm not quite sure why this is happening. It's only on this album. Every other album I own is perfectly fine. And it actually sounds fine coming out of my speakers. So it must have something to do with the translation to the digital signal. If it happens again in future episodes, I'll do my best to take care of it, but hopefully it's not too distracting this time out. I apologize in advance. Thanks. (laughs) 
Once again, here's Buena Vista Records' adaptation of the 1984 Joe Dante film, Gremlins. This is the story of Gremlins. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. When Rand Pelser entered the musty Backstreet Curio Shop in Chinatown, he was hoping to find something different. But the tiny singing creature he discovered in a dark corner was more than different. It was special. It was a mogwai. Rand was enchanted. I've never seen anything like it. How much is he? The old shop owner shook his head. I cannot sell him at any price. Mogwai is very special creature. Needs much responsibility. Disappointed, Rand left the shop. Suddenly, the old man's grandson appeared with a wooden cage. Here, mister. You can buy the Mogwai. Great. My son will love it. But what about your grandfather? Never mind. We need the money. Just remember this. Keep the Mogwai away from light, especially sunlight. It'll kill him. Don't get him wet. And never feed him after midnight. Never. Back in Kingston Falls, Rand proudly presented the unique Christmas gift to his son, Billy. Amazed, Billy watched the fairy little creature peer out of the box with his large, friendly eyes. Rand beamed. They call him a mogwai. He's really clever. He can figure out how to work almost any kind of gizmo. <laughs> Billy grinned as the creature climbed onto his shoulder and licked his cheek. That's a great name. Let's call him Gizmo. After learning the rules about the mogwai, Billy carried Gizmo upstairs to his room. I hope you like it up here, Giz. The mogwai smiled and sang a single clear note. Billy played the same note on his electronic keyboard. Gizmo's large ears perked up, and he reached over to play the keys himself. Billy chuckled and <laughs> gently placed a big red Santa hat on the tiny mogwai's head. You're some Christmas present, Gizmo. A few days later, Billy's young friend Pete came by. Wow! So this is a mogwai, huh? Can I pet him? But Pete accidentally knocked over a paintbrush glass, splashing some drops of water on the mogwai. Gizmo screamed and arched in pain. Billy watched helplessly. Oh, no. He's not supposed to get wet. Look at his back. Spots were growing where the droplets had hit Gizmo. Then, as if by magic, the spots became five tiny balls of fur and popped off onto the table. Instantly, they grew into five brand new mogwai creatures. Gizmo frowned at the giggling newcomers. Billy comforted his frightened pet. Poor Gizmo. No wonder you're not supposed to get wet. That must be how you multiply. Billy scratched his head. These new guys all look alike, except this one with the striped white hair. I guess we ought to call you Stripe. Hey, Giz, now you've got five playmates. But Gizmo shied away from the others. Billy turned away for a moment, and Stripe spit a grape seed at the startled family dog. Hey, quiet, Barney. 
If you can't get along with these harmless little guys, you'll stay outside. Stripes snickered to himself. Late one night, as Billy was drawing at his desk, the five mogwai whined loudly for food. You guys already had dinner. Oh, well, it's still before midnight. I guess a snack won't hurt. Billy brought them some leftover chicken, and all of them devoured it quickly. All of them, that is, except a worried gizmo. The next morning, Billy called his mother, Lynn, upstairs. I left the five mogwai on the floor last night, Mom. But when I woke up, these large sticky pods were here. Billy glanced up from the five green cocoons and noticed his clock. Oh, no. It still reads 11.30. Those new guys must have tricked me into feeding them after midnight by unplugging it. After Billy left for work, Gizmo watched the pods in horror. Hours passed, and then they quivered and cracked open. Downstairs, Lynn was alone, baking in the kitchen, when suddenly a dinner plate flew past her head. She spun around to see nasty, scaly creatures threatening her from the countertops. Those things must have hatched out of the cocoons upstairs. No longer were they cute furry mogwai. Now, they were gremlins. Bravely, Lynn battled the beasts with kitchen utensils. She even doused one with bug spray and trapped him in the microwave. Shaken, Lynn stumbled into the living room to catch her breath. Suddenly, the Christmas tree toppled onto her. A gremlin leaped savagely onto her back, screeching and scratching. Just then, Billy returned home. Quickly, he grabbed an ornamental sword and struck down the fierce beast. He looked up to see the one remaining gremlin snarl at him and then escape out a window into the cold night. Mom, it's that troublemaker Stripe. Billy took his mother to a neighbor's house. You'll be safe here, Mom. I'm going after that rotten little gremlin. He loaded Gizmo into his nylon backpack and set out into the bitter night. Together, they followed Stripe's tracks across the snow to the local gymnasium. Look, Giz, he's broken in through that side window. We've got to go in there and destroy him. Billy stalked nervously across the silent gym. Suddenly, Stripe leaped at him, raking his chest with razor-sharp claws. The gremlin then turned deliberately and dove into the nearby swimming pool. Billy cringed as the pool began bubbling fiercely. Giz, the water's reacting with Stripe's skin. He's reproducing. We've got to get help. As Billy stumbled outside, he heard Stripe's taunting laugh, now multiplied by the hundreds. Soon, gremlins were running wild through Kingston Falls. They gleefully smashed windows, knocked over garbage cans, pulled down holiday decorations, and swung merrily from TV antennas. Several strutted around proudly in stolen hats and coats. One crafty gremlin even pried open a traffic control box. 
he switched all the traffic lights green and watched the cars pile up. The gremlins didn't like people, and they didn't like the town. In fact, the only thing they did like was making trouble. City worker Futterman was home watching TV when he heard his snowplow start up outside. Sheila, look. My plow's driving all by itself. Wait, it's headed this way. The plow crashed right through the Futterman's living room. Thanks to you-know-who. Dozens of mischievous gremlins invaded Dory's pub, chasing out all the customers but one, Billy's girlfriend, Kate. They screeched at her to fetch them food and drink. She ducked a handful of peanuts. Ow! Hold on! I'm working as fast as I can. Kate toiled on fearfully as the gremlins threw bottles, ripped up the pool table, and put on discarded hats and scarves. One adventuresome beast even rode the overhead fan for fun. But when one boisterous gremlin demanded a light for his cigar, Kate noticed the match made him flinch. The light hurts his eyes. That gives me an idea. She aimed a flash camera at the creatures. Smile, turkeys. The creatures howled and backed away from Kate. As she headed for the front door, she clicked the camera again. Oh no, I've used up all the flashes. The angry gremlin surrounded her with vengeance in their eyes. Suddenly, the glare of headlights flooded into the room. The gremlins fell back in pain. Kate, it's me, Billy. Run outside. Kate dashed up. Billy, what are those creatures? Billy hurried her quickly down the street. They're gremlins, and they're tearing up the whole town. Let's hide in here. They ducked into a building. Kate hugged him tightly. It was horrible, Billy. Thanks for saving me. Dawn approached. Kate, Billy, and Gizmo crept cautiously outside and explored the ruined town. There's no sign of them anywhere, Billy. Then Gizmo sniffed the wind. Excitedly, he pointed Billy toward the local movie theater. Of course. The gremlins are hiding indoors. Sunlight can kill them. Nervously, Billy peeked inside. They're all in here, Kate. Singing and yelling and throwing popcorn. Billy turned to Kate. You used to work here. Show me where the boiler room is. I've got a plan. Kate led him to a back room behind the screen. Billy turned on all the gas jets and lit a rag fuse. Now let's get out of here fast. They raced across the street just as a huge fireball erupted from the theater. Gizmo tugged on Billy's jacket, pointing towards a department store window. Billy groaned. It's Stripe. How did he get away? Come on, we've got to finish him off. He's the last gremlin. As the three entered the silent store, Billy picked up a baseball bat. You and Gizmo find the lights, Kate. Billy crept from aisle to aisle. He searched the dark tensely. Nothing. Suddenly, a saw blade ripped past Billy's head. Narrowly ducking, Billy chased the wicked gremlin across the store. Racing around a corner, Billy suddenly toppled over in pain, clutching his shoulder. 
Stripe had shot him with an arrow. The gremlin loaded his crossbow again and cackled. Then the store lights blazed on. Howling, Stripe dropped his weapon and covered his eyes. Billy was saved. Kate found the switches. Then Stripe's ears perked up. He dashed madly for the garden department. Billy followed and discovered Stripe's goal, an electric water fountain. Oh no, he's going to multiply again. The gremlin laughed gleefully and leaped into the spray. Just then, Gizmo zoomed by in a toy car. He crashed into a window, grabbing at the curtain cord with all his tiny might. The curtain flew open and sunlight poured in. Stripe screamed, his armored skin cracked, and he dissolved into nothingness. That night, Gizmo's original owner, the ancient Chinese man, entered the Pelcher's home. Glaring at the family, he placed the tiny creature back in its wooden box. Why must man always misuse nature's gifts? He is not ready to own Mogwai. Gizmo poked his head out of the wooden box, searching the room with teary eyes. <coughs> Billy smiled sadly. The old Chinaman's face softened. He patted Billy's shoulder. Mogwai likes you. Sell them wrong. Someday, you may be ready. <laughs> <laughs>